Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Don't speak all at once. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I'm excited you're here. Um, it's good to see everyone. You like the new arrangement a little bit, so you can kind of come through the back and not. I know. Does it? Does it? Yeah. Well, this is what you get when you have a wife that likes to move stuff around and starts going, "Hey, let's move this." So we may be in the garage next week. I just want you to know. I, we have no idea. It could happen. But I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, we are wrapping up our series um, this week on "I'm a Church Member." Um, and this whole idea of what we want to become as church members, what our church wants to be like, and all that stuff. And um, as we finish this up, we are going to start going into a whole new series, talking about Christmas. Um, we're thinking through the idea of a um, Christmas Eve service and what that would look like and where that would be um, and all those things. But um, I'm excited about finishing it up because I think this is what we need to understand. And, and I still believe that um, this is a covenantal relationship. Um, this is a promise between um, each of us to each of us, from me to you, from you to me, um, to God, to this church and everything. And I think that we have gotten this whole idea about going to church and everything um, all kind of just twisted around and everything. So, um, as you know, we've been talking about this for quite a while. So, just a reminder, um, our first thing was I'll be a functioning church member. I'm not just going to show up. That I actually have a purpose. Every person has a purpose at this church. Every per- <coughs> excuse me. Every person has a job to do. Um, I'll be a unifying church member. That um, that unity. That is that one thing. I just cannot. You're going to hear me say that over and over again. If I'm here for 50 years, you're going to hear me say that the best way for the community and the world to see Jesus is when his people are unified. That's what Jesus prayed. And so we want to be people that fight for the unity. Um, I'll not let my church be about my preferences. Again, this is for us, but it's not about us. That this is a chance for us to gather as people, but it's about reaching everyone out there. It's about all the people that aren't going to church. They're living in lives with hopeless hopelessness and, and all things. And so we have always got to be an outwardly thinking church. Um, when we started this, I, I told you that nine out of ten churches are in decline or have just kind of stalemated um, in their growth. And every one of those churches that are in decline are about what can we do here. It's all inwardly focused. And so we want to be an outwardly focused, and that's what we need to be. That It's not about the music. It's not about where we meet or what time we meet and stuff. But it's whatever is the best and most effective for God's kingdom and reaching people. Um, I'll pray for my leaders. Um, I need your prayer. Um, all of our leaders that are coming need your prayer, and we need to be constantly lifting each other. And then finally, last week we really talked about the family as the core thing. I will lead my family to be a healthy, to be healthy church members. That the the family is the first church, and the core of of what our society is and what our culture is. And as the family goes, so does our culture, and we see that. And we live in a time where family looks a lot different than it did in the 1950s, and so we have to be able to meet those needs and just. Be the leaders in our family as, as, as children, as moms, as dads, as everyone, um, to lead our family um, in that idea. But this week, um, we're going to tie it all up because we're going into a very precious season. It's probably my favorite seasons. It is, <laughs> it is Christmas, and, and we are headed into that season. And who here doesn't like to get gifts? I mean, if, if, if you've met my mom, 
if you met my mom and, and you said, can I see your picture albums of every Christmas that we ever had growing up, it was that they were always those torturous parents that, you know, you'd wake up, you'd been up all night waiting for Christmas, waiting for, you know, their presents under the tree, you're excited about their presents, and they're like, come on out, but stop, and we're going to take a picture first. You know, and, you know, it's not like the click little, the foam pictures. This is like, okay, we got to get like the Polaroid and see if it does well. And then, no, we got to do another one. But every single one of our pictures is our eyes as kids looking straight at the tree and never at the camera, looking at all those presents. Because we love to get presents. As we get older, if we become parents and stuff, some of us like to give presents. Like I love, it was one of, I remember when my kids were little, Christmas was so much fun because all you had to do was put a box and piece of paper there and they would just tear through it and they'd have a blast. You know, as they get older, they want iPads, iPhones, and iMacs, and i this, i that, and i that, and it gets crazy. But we like to get gifts. And you ever wondered why we like to give or give gifts? Because our Father is like that. God is like that. In fact, in Matthew seven eleven it says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I believe all my heart that God is the greatest, most awesome gift giver ever. And he has great things for us, and he has great things that he wants for us and he wants from us, but he is a gift giver. And he has given us two of the most precious gifts that we can't, we can't survive without, I believe, with all my heart. And that's really, really what I want to talk about, because this week I want to talk about, I will treasure church membership as a gift, because it is. The church is a gift that God has given us for us to come together. And this is really, really what I want to dive in as we wrap all this up. That it's about our hearts and how we perceive church and how we perceive each other and our faith and everything. That this is a gift from the greatest gift giver ever. And so, if you will, let's pray. Oh, wait a minute, I want to do this. Billy Graham said this. Remember, he wants your fellowship. And he has done everything possible to make it a reality. He has forgiven your sins at the cost of his own dear son. He has given you his word and the priceless privilege of prayer and worship. Everything that God has done was in purpose. Everything in scripture was purposed for us to know him. And to come together and to enjoy that and to celebrate that and to live that out. And that is best seen in the local church when it's done right. So this is what we're going to dive in. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity um, to come together and gather as your people. God, it doesn't matter if we're in um, a giant church or we're in a house or we're under a tent, God. Um, we are your church. It is the people. And God, we thank you that um, today we have the freedom to come together. We have the opportunity to come together. And that today is about your glory and not ours. And so, Father, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would speak clearly. God, that you would give us a greater picture of who you are and what your church is. God, that you would challenge us um, to be the people that you created us to be, that you would encourage us. And that, God, most of all, that it would be your words and not mine. Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. God, as we celebrate the gift, that you have given us. God, that we could never, ever, ever pay back or ever outdo. And so, God, we just thank you and we love you. Now, just lead us now and have your way. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
It says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not for yourself. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. Understand that you and I stand here today. We sit here today. We come together today for one reason. One reason only is because Christ has given us this thing called grace. That, that through his sacrifice, it, it's, it's not about how smart we are. It's not about how talented we are. It's not how, how rich we are or any of that stuff. It is the idea that this is a gift from God. The greatest gift that any human being could ever, ever receive. It, it has nothing to do with what we are. It has everything to do with what Jesus is, who Jesus is and what he did. And so the very first thing, before we even get into the gift of church, we need to understand that salvation itself is a gift. That this idea that we can reconcile with our creator after we've kind of like snubbed him in the face and looked at him and says, I'm going to do things my way instead of your way. That this gift of salvation, it is the most precious thing and the most important decision that anybody can make in life. More important than marriage, more important than college, more important than career, more important than anything else. It is, what am I going to do with Jesus? And it is a question that every single one of us has to answer at some time. You know, it, 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 is, it is for all of us. Romans 3.23, you probably know that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That every single one of us is broken. And, and there are no levels of my sinfulness. And, 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 I, and I know we, we think of this picture, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word sin was a term used you know, when an archer would shoot and he'd miss the target and it would just go, it wouldn't hit center, it'd be sin. It's a miss. It missed the point. It missed the bullseye and everything. But in this picture, Romans 3.23, we're not even shooting on the same continent. That's how far we have missed this. It's not like I'm just barely under what God's saying. I mean, we are so far away from it and all of us are in that same position. Every single one of us need Jesus. Because every single one of us has looked at God and said, I'm going to do it my way, not your way. It, 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 it's for all of us. And again, it, there, there are no levels. And it, it's so frustrating to me to hear, you know, listen, the people, the tragedy that happened in Paris, the people that pulled that off, are no more sinners than the person that cheats on their taxes and doesn't talk to Jesus or doesn't know Jesus. Sin is, is sin. It, it is the disease that we're born with. It is the disease that has been passed on to generation to generation. And we are all broken. And my encouragement for you today is not only pray for the people of Paris, but pray for the people that are strapping bombs to themselves. That they all need Jesus because there's a price, there's a cost to our disobedience. Romans 6.23, for the cost of sin, for the price of sin, you know, is death. You know, the cost of our sin, it, it is it. When, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and say, we're going to do it our way, there was an immediate cost. There was physical death. They started to die. You and I were never meant to die. Death was never supposed to be part of the creation. Part of the plan. But greater than a physical death was a spiritual death, a separation from us and from God. That, that is a great cost. That is a cost that you and I can never repay. 
I mean, it, it, it's it's that big. You know, over the years, you know, I've talked to people, I've talked to students and parents and stuff about this idea of like how much sin costs us, and and we can say it's like you. you your parents die owing millions of dollars to the government, and then it's passed on to you, and you can't pay it. But, I mean, it's bigger than that. It's immeasurable of what that costs us. And I know in our churches, we don't like to talk about sin anymore. We, we don't want to offend somebody. But the truth is, is, if you don't believe in sin, then just watch the news. And, and if you believe that we can do things better, that we will come to some level of understanding and and we will just awaken one day to the, all the realities of what a human being is, then understand that over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, we still have the same issues that we have always had. But I love the second part of this because it's the biggest but in the Bible. You know, there are big buts in the Bible, and this is a big one. It says, you know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. It, it, it is a gift. And, and if you go down, if you go to 2 Corinthians 5.21, he, he makes it very, very clear. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I mean, it is this beautiful picture of Jesus stepping in and saying, here, I'm not only going to take the messiness and the dirtiness and the sin and all that brokenness and put it on me and take it and wear it on a cross. But at the same time, I'm going to take my perfection, my righteousness, my rightness with God and place it on you. And so right at that moment that we come and understand that we need Jesus and we proclaim that we need Jesus and we confess that, in God's eyes, we are now perfect once again. We are seen as righteous. You know, I, I've heard it asked, and it's really funny that I've heard um, this at like camps and all kinds of things where the speaker will get up and say, how many of you are righteous? And all of us will sit there and go like, oh, no, I don't know, I'm not really righteous, I'm worm, I'm dirt and stuff. And we have this low picture of ourselves. But in Christ, right there, it says we are righteous. We are right with God. At the moment that we come. And so, without this, there is no church. <laughs> the gathering of God's people, there are no God's people if there aren't those that have been redeemed and saved. And the only way that happens is if God looks at us as a free gift and says, here is grace. Uh, one, one of the reasons I wanted to name this church and said this is Grace Baptist Church. One, I wanted to leave Baptist in because I don't want to try to trick anybody because we all know that community churches are just Baptist churches with cool websites. And I know for some people, they look at that name and says Baptist. Oh, Baptist, because we get a bad rap and everything. But I think the most important word in that is grace because every single one of us are marked by grace. Every single one of us have received grace. If you're breathing today, you've received God's grace. Because we, we don't deserve any of that. And, and, it, and it's paid in full, and all we have to do is recognize the need for that. And acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. And I guarantee you, especially in the Western culture, it is the hardest thing for any of us to say. The original fall came because of pride. You can be like God. He, 
You can be more than you are now. You don't need him. You can do things your way. And that has been passed on to us generation after generation to the point now where if you look at somebody and say, listen, you have problems that you can't fix. None of us, none of us want to admit that. It, it is grace. And it is such a beautiful thing. And I don't understand grace. Because I look at my life and I look at the stuff I do and the things I think and everything. I'm like, God, how could you offer me grace? Because when when I was taught this a long, long time ago, I had a professor one time. He would always get up and he says, do you know what justice is? Justice is you getting what you deserve. And you and I deserve nothing from God. Because we've turned. In fact, earlier in this book, it says, while we were still enemies with God, Christ died for us. That we were his enemy. And justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is saying, okay, you're not going to get this judgment. Grace is getting what we don't deserve whatsoever. Grace is the idea that God says, I love you, I made you, and I died for you, and I want a relationship with you. That's why grace is so important. That's why grace moves me. That's why I look at people and I always try to see, like, there's a chance here. There's opportunity here for them to become more. And sometimes that gets me in trouble. Sometimes I'm too grace-driven. But I can never be more grace-driven than God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And when we understand that, it is the one thing that draws us together. It's what makes the church so unique. That our common denominator in all of this is Jesus and the grace that we've received from him. It's not our backgrounds. It's it's not our bank accounts. It's, it's none of that stuff. It's not how we were brought up, it's not how we dress, it's not who we know, it's, it's, it's none of that stuff. It is Jesus that draws us together, and it is the only faith, it is the only belief system in the world that can pull people together like that. That Jesus is the common denominator. And when Jesus is the common denominator, when we sang it, Jesus, when Jesus is the center of it all, the church is born. And it's so important for us to understand that this is a gift. That the church is a gift. Turn, turn to 1 Corinthians. We read this at the very beginning. Starting uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 27, it says, Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God is placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. This idea that we all come together with different giftings, with different attributes, and all this stuff, but together we form a body, a living organism, not an organization. That's the problem in too many churches right now. We are an organization. That's the problem in too many ministries. We are an organization. We are a living organism organism paul says we are the body of christ and we have come together and it is a gift for us to be able to come together like this it is a gift for us to be able to just join and be apart together and again remember the thing that ties us all together is the grace 
of Jesus. It is a gift to be treasured. So many of us just take this for granted. Can I tell you, there are so many brothers and sisters, there are so many believers that live around this world that are not taking for granted that they get to come together because they're, they are risking their very lives. And at the minimum, they're risking their freedom. You know where the church is growing the fastest? Where the greatest persecution is. You, you see those videos and you hear about the videos of Christians being lined up and their heads being chopped off. And every time they chop off a head, a hundred more believers are coming. And, and they're, not, they're not hiding in their homes. They're not in their waiting. They are gathering together to worship God, the Creator. And they understand it is a gift. There are places in this world where they get one or two pieces of the Bible and they pass it along because that's all they can that's all, and they memorize it and they pass it on. They understand that everything about this faith is a gift. And the ability to come together as God's people is a gift. And it is worth the risk. It is a gift to be anticipated. Man, how many of you came to church expecting something today? I, I'll be completely honest with you. Last night I was laying in bed. I looked at my wife and said, I'm not motivated for church tomorrow. How many times do we come together and we just don't expect God to be there or to show up? There's no anticipation. But every time we gather, every time there are two or more of us gather, every time that we come together as believers, and if we're praying at Starbucks or we're meeting at a Publix or we're just walking around the street and we gather as Christians, that God is there with us. The creator of everything is there with us. And so we should come with anticipation. We should come with an excitement saying, hey, you know what? I get to hear from God. Not Tony, not Allison on the guitar, not any of that stuff, but that God has got something to say. And I get a chance to come together and be that. And it should be enjoyed. Man, this should be fun. We should be able to come together. And I love that about our church right now. You know, the last potluck we had, I, I just wanted to kick all y'all out. I'm like, dear God, leave. <laughs> Lord, the food's gone. But we just kept enjoying each other and we kept enjoying what's happening in our lives. And that's what the whole point of church is. It's us doing life together. Because life alone is horrible. And hopeless. But life together, there, there's hope in that. Because we hear from each other. We hear that, oh, you're struggling. I had that struggle before. Or here's some encouragement and stuff. But we enjoy one another. I don't know how many churches I've gone to where you walk up there and I stamp to preach and I look out there and everybody's like this. And we sing these great songs and they're just like, whatever. I, I've been reading, I, I, I challenged you guys a couple of weeks ago that, man, read some of the classic. Read some of these great preachers because we've lost a lot of that fire. And I've been reading Jonathan Edwards. One of his sermons was, you know, A Sinful Person in the Hands of an Angry God, which is a very scary title, but it started a revival that spread all the way down the east coast of the country. But one of his last sermons, he says, God's glory is best shown when his people are happy. That we are the gem, we are the crowning achievement of creation. We are the thing that he counts the most for, that, that
that cost him the most, that he loves the most. Of all the beautiful animals and beautiful creation, we are that top pinnacle piece that God says, look at them. And when we are enjoying one another, and when we are enjoying fellowship together, and when we are enjoying life together, God receives the glory. And so it is a gift to be treasured and anticipated and to be enjoyed. Now, now I understand there's, there's different phrases for the church. The, the church is the universal church. All believers everywhere. That we are all tied together. We are tied together in a church body that spans the Middle East and China and Australia and Europe and North and South America and all over the world. Wherever believers are, we are all together at one church, the universal church. And there's a lot of people that says, that's all I need. I'm part of the universal church, and that's great. But the local, it's, it's a little bit more concise. It's some believers somewhere. It is exclusive. I'm not expecting someone from Saudi Arabia that knows Jesus to show up in church here on Sunday morning. I mean, we, we, are, we, are, we are limited by our location and where we live and stuff, and so that's the local church. But let me make this very, very clear. It is invalid to claim membership to the universal church alone. And there are so many that says, well, I'm just part of the church. I don't have to go to church. I can sit there and watch it on my television or listen to a podcast. And I can just be, and it was never meant to be that way. In Hebrews, and probably most of y'all have heard this, this is talking about the local gathering. It says, and let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Not staying from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day drawing near. Ladies and gentlemen, if you watch the news, the day is drawing near. And I long for the day that Jesus shows back up and puts an end to all the atrocities and the insanity and that I don't have to lead church. I get to just go to church because Jesus is the preacher. And that is a great day. But in the meantime, we have to have this idea that God has called us to come together. Anybody that says the church isn't important has never read the New Testament. It's a ridiculous Poor theology, absolute horrible doctrinal statement saying, well, I don't need to go to a local church. I don't need to be part of a local church. Because that's what Jesus died for, to create the local church. When he looked at the apostles and said, hey, listen, I'm leaving, and now you will go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the world, and you will go and spread and be my witnesses. He was talking about this was the first local church. And you're going to spread and become more and more church. And then through the rest of the New Testament, it talks about the church. And it talks about the local church. All those letters to the church of Ephesus, to the church of Corinth, to the church of Philippi, to the church of Thessalonica. And then when Paul made pastoral things, it was about leading the local church to Timothy and to Titus and to Philemon. And in Revelation, it starts with, listen, there's a group of churches I need you to go talk to, John, and send a letter to. It has always been about the church, and we, we take it for granted. And maybe because it's too easy to gather. Maybe it is because there's a church in every corner. Not so much down here. 
But when I was in Claremont, for, I just I couldn't understand why are there so many stinking churches in every school in every place, and yet eighty five percent of people still don't go to church. You, you can't. I don't believe you can survive and thrive in your faith without the local body. We need to understand the gift. Could you imagine Christmas morning as a little kid showing up and seeing the tree and presents everywhere and you coming out and saying, wow, those look awesome. And then you go back to bed. And then the next year you put the same gifts out. Wow, those look awesome. And you go back to bed. A gift not received is useless. We are called to serve one another. Matthew 20, starting at verse 26. The reason we come together is this. Jesus modeled it for us. He says, right before that, he says, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, their high officials exercise authority over them. Jesus is talking about like leadership and serving. Verse 26, he says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, you being here is an encouragement to someone else here. The conversations you have may be just something that God wants to say to that person that they're never going to hear from a preacher. There are people in this community that I will never, ever, ever come close to reaching. That you know already, that you have relationships with. If we enjoy this gift so much, how selfish of us to hoard it to ourselves. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is why we gather. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another great guy. Listen, you guys need to read. If you don't read stuff, read. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was. if you don't know who he is, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a preacher during Nazi Germany. He was actually part of the plot to assassinate Hitler. He was a pacifist until he saw such a great evil, and he's like, I've got to be part of this, except he was caught. He was put into a concentration camp. And one week before the Allies arrived to liberate that camp, he was put to death. He wrote a great book called The Cost of Discipleship. I don't think many people know. If you if you go to London, England, and you go to Westminster Chapel, there's the Martyr's Wall. And in the middle is Dietrich Bonhoeffer's statue. It's one of the great martyrs of our time. But he wrote another book called Life Together. Talking about how we come. And he says this, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather, rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. The more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone, the more serenely shall we think of our fellowship and pray and hope for it. The more Jesus becomes center. I'm so glad you chose that song this morning. Of our own faith. The more Jesus becomes center of our church and the way we do church and the way we live out church, the more it's going to drive us. The more impact we're going to have in this community and around this globe. See, because again, I will say it again and again and again, the tie that binds us together 
is Jesus and God's grace. And the more we realize that, the more we'll understand what a gift it is for the 13 or 14 of us to gather in a living room, listening to a dog howl and a fake fireplace. No, that's my sound system. We need to understand that this is a gift. And we have to cherish it. And it's all because, first of all, the gift of salvation. So, our last little statement. It says, I am a church member. This membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became part of the body of Christ. I soon thereafter identified with a local body and was baptized, and now I am humbled and honored to serve and love others in our church. I pray I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and an opportunity to serve others and be a part of something much greater than any one person or member. In the end, I don't know about you, but I want to be part of something that's bigger than me. I want to be part of something that outlasts me. And I believe with all my heart that's the church. But it, it is a covenant. It, it, is, it is an agreement. It is a, it is a belief in that. It is a promise to one another. <clears throat> I, I believe some of us take, in, in our culture today, we take church membership as kind of this idea like, hey, as long as I just show up. But we, we have said over and over again that it's more than just showing up. That it's not just about me. But it, it is a covenant. And all through, the, all through the Bible, both New and Old Testament, God has talk, spoken in the words of covenant. In fact, um, it has always been a problem. When Jesus did the last time, he said, this is my blood. The new covenant, the new promise that we enter. And when, when we come to Jesus in salvation, when we come to him, it is a covenant saying that we trust and believe that what you did was enough. And we will live that way. And when we come together as a church, we, we say we are going to live this out. We're going to live life together. And we're, we're going to struggle and we're going to succeed. But we're going to do it together. And it is a promise. And so God has always been about covenant. And we have gotten away from this in most of our culture. And so this morning... Um, because I, I know next week it's the weekend before um, Thanksgiving. A lot of us aren't going to be here. Um, I, I just decided we, we need to do this now. And if you're like new here or if you're not sure, that's fine. But I, I believe it, it's time for Grace Baptist Church to become Grace Baptist Church. And the only way it does that is when a group of body, a group of people come together and say, we will become a body. And we will do. And so um, we have a membership covenant. And yeah, you, you sign it and everything because it, it, is, it is a promise that, yeah, I'm going to do this. But um, we, we kind of broke it up. It, sa it says on a church covenant, nowhere in the Bible does it give a specific copy of what a local church covenant should look like. It, it doesn't say, there's not, like, you can't turn to, like, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 7, and here's a church covenant. It's, it's not in the Bible, but it gives standards and it gives practices of what's expected of not only members, but also pastors. This covenant seeks to briefly explain the expectation given to the pastors and elders and to the membership of Grace Baptist Church. And so on it, on the front page, is my covenant to you as a pastor. 
And as any leader in this church will make this covenant with you, it says, we, the pastors of Grace Baptist Church, covenant to have pastors and deacons that meet the qualifications described in scriptures, and then I give all the scriptures, to continually and prayerfully seek God's guidance for Grace Church, Grace Baptist Church, and to steward the resources entrusted to the church to the best of our abilities, to care for the church and seek her growth in grace, truth, and love, to provide teaching and counsel for the entirety of Scripture, to equip the members of the church of the work of ministry, to be on guard against false teachers and false teachings, to lovingly exercise church discipline when necessary for the glory of God, for the good of the one disciplined, and for the health of the church as a whole, and to set an example by joining the members and fulfilling the obligations of church membership stated below. It basically says this. We, the members of Grace Baptist, covenant to the following. I will be a functioning church member. I'll be a unifying church member. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. I will pray for my church leaders. I will leave my family to be helpful church members. And I will treasure church membership as a gift. This is the covenant we're asking. Basically what we've done for the last six weeks is had a new members class. We, we will not be a church where people just walk down an aisle and say, I want to join the church. I want people to understand um, what's expected. Of, of the pastors and what's expected of them. And that they can go in line with saying, yeah, this is the direction that we're going and stuff. And so this morning, what I want to do is I'm just going to, I'm going to put these out. And if you are a person that says, yeah, this is, I'm here. I, I want to do this. Um, you can take one of these and you can sign it. You can take one of these home and pray about it this week and bring it back next week. Um, but this is how we will do membership at Grace Baptist as a covenant. Because it is a gift. Because it means a lot. And it will take all of us and every person that God brings through the doors to reach this community. Um, it says, having received Christ as my Lord and Savior and having been baptized by immersion after my salvation, being in agreement with Grace Baptist of Four Corners Church, covenant strategy, doctor, instructor, I now feel led by the Holy Spirit to unite with Grace Baptist Church family. In doing so, I commit myself to God and to the other members of Grace Baptist at Four Corners Church. And so these are here. And so during our time of response now, I'm just going to set these right here. You can, you can grab one. You can take it and read it. Listen, whatever God is leading you, because like I said, this isn't about someone walking down an aisle and say, hey, I'm here. And it's not about just showing up to a church and saying, now I'm part of that church. It is about us being part of a covenant together. And becoming the church that we believe God wants us to be and to be the people that God wants us to be. And so I, I ask you just to prayerfully consider it as, as we are responding. Um, if you need prayer, again, we've got cards back there. Write down your prayer request of what's going on. If, if you feel led to give through tithes and offerings for your worship, it's back there. But all of this right now is about us becoming the church. The church that God wants us to be, and the church this community needs us to be. At Grace Baptist, we believe two things for sure, that God wants more for us, and that he wants more from us. And this is a place where people can find more. And so let me pray, and then as the Spirit leads.